This is the 10 Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions based podcast diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nononsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 111 is brought to us by Bybit, and the World Series of Trading sign-up sheet is officially live. I put it down below in the show notes so you can go straight to it if you are already a client of Bybit. If you are not, well, then you know what to do. Go down to the show notes as well and click on the Bybit blog post that I wrote. That'll give you all the information you need. You can sign up through my affiliate link there and get yourself started. The sooner you sign up, probably the better, especially if you're new. You're going to want to get used to their platform because that's what you're going to be using in the contest. As I've said before, I realize no-nonsense Forex traders are not built to be contest participants, but with an $8 million prize pool, why not take a stab at it? I have also reopened up the contest tab on nononsenseforex.com if you would like to access it that way. Uh, let's build up a team. It's going to be a small team, but let's do some damage in this thing. F it. We ball. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and uh, two things right away to open up the show. One, I am on location if things sound different or if you catch any ambient noise. In the background, um, brought my mic with me against my better judgment, <laughs> but here we are. And uh, and two, I do know that we've uh, kind of exhausted the crypto topic here the last couple months. But as I've said before, that's where a lot of things are just going on right now. That is slowly becoming not the case as things are going on in other sectors. And the next two episodes I have slated, at least, are going to be non-crypto. But you know, we fully believe that crypto is a key part of every financial prepper's strategy. Even though short-term to mid-term, I'm quite bearish on the crypto market. Now, we've had black swans to come out and boost the market, but um, black swans aren't becoming so black swanny, kind of becoming normal in this decade. Um, but that doesn't mean we can necessarily plan for when they occur. You know, we are primarily prepping for a time where they all start to occur at once and things really start to drop. And then all the domino effects we are likely to see from that. But despite these uh, events occurring, there's just not a whole lot of reason to get excited about the crypto market right now. I mean, where else are we going to see wins here? I think everybody who's a participant in the crypto market is pretty much here. You know, we have some of these little kind of mini events that bring in some of the uh, old money, I guess. And I don't mean old money like blue blood. I mean, people who used to be here left and then came back. Like when we had that little brief meme coin spurt for a minute, and then when some of the AI scam tokens were pumping, you know, little stuff like that. But it's like, where is this new money going to come from? Where is some of the old money that was burnt by this market? What's going to make them come back? You know, number go up may be one reason, but it's going to have to go up quite a bit. And I, don't, I just don't see a catalyst for that right now. Like we just had another bank get done failing, two actually. One of them already kind of had a foot in the grave, but two went down and didn't even move the needle. Now, real quick, while we're on this particular subject, there's a new term out there called debanking, uh, which is what has happened to some political leaders and uh, some people who donated to certain political causes. And, you know, when we had the, the backlash from all that, we thought banks would have learned that maybe this is not the best strategy. But here we are, and it's only getting more prevalent. Uh, now, this is not a bank episode, but I just wanted to point that out because this is something we should all be paying close attention to. I did see a tweet today that said uh, certain banks now get to monitor your social media accounts. I'm not sure how that's possible, but uh, the momentum really seems to be swinging this way, and that's um, surprising and disturbing at the same time. So again, this brings us back to crypto and the need for it, but uh, I know what the title of this episode is, but we still need to talk about all the headwinds 
that crypto faces right now and just kind of wrap everything up in a bow before we move on next week. So I have them written down. Uh, let's not forget about the Binance case. This is going to be very big. I'm not sure how long it's going to take to play out. I don't even know when it's going to start. But this is something that is always going to weigh down the overall sentiment of the industry until it gets resolved. The XRP case is probably going to appeals. We've talked about this before. I have no idea how long it's going to take. I don't like their chances, but this is still something that doesn't mean we're out of the clear just yet. Now, this to me did not have any effect on the reason why XRP didn't pump like I thought it should have. I think that more or less just speaks to uh, what I was talking about before, how there's just not a lot of people in the market right now. The long-term buy and hold XRP people were already holding XRP, and the traders already made their trades and took their profits and have moved on. You know, unfortunately, it's that mushy middle, you know, low IQ, moon boy, you know, pumper, ding dong money that really pushes the market up and triggers algorithms and gives us that nice cascading effect that really do make this market move up indefinitely. And those people just aren't there because we haven't given them a reason to come back. And some of them may not come back. Some of them are just very opportune and they chase the latest thing and the latest thing right now is AI. So who knows how that's going to play out. And there is also expected to be an attack on DeFi coming soon. Don't say I didn't warn you. If you have money in DeFi right now, just be very alert. If you're holding DeFi tokens, as I do, this is something you're going to want to stay on top of. There's not a whole lot governments can really do to fight DeFi except for, like we spoke about in the past, close down those on and off ramps. And if you think this is only a United States problem, well, it might be at first, and that is a lot of money that's not going to be coming into the market, but... Other governments watch and see what other governments do, and then they look and see if those attempts were successful or not. So get ready for that. And as we've all talked about ad nauseum on here, you know, what is the recession going to do to crypto? You know, are we ever going to see that decoupling from the overall market, from not just Bitcoin, but the rest of the market too? Because we have not completely seen it yet. Not in a crisis. We've seen it happen just kind of randomly at different times, but we have not seen uh, complete decoupling when things get really bad and go down. Everything seems to go down together. Um, and then recently in the metaverse space, uh, which the metaverse and more specifically the Web3 gaming space is what I have always thought was going to be the first horse out of the gate during the full recovery. Uh, just had a, a pretty, I don't know how major of a blow this is, but it's certainly a setback. Uh, there's two kind of blockbuster titles that I've always thought are coming out of Web3, at least first. And that's going to be Alluvium, which we've spoken about here. I'm a part of that. And then there's also Star Atlas. Um, Star Atlas just laid off maybe 75% of their staff. Don't quote me on that, but it was a pretty high number. So I said before too, so many of these projects are going to run out of money. Even if they're good business people, which I don't even know if some of these people are, but even if they're good, this is virgin territory. You have to fully be ready for these things to completely fall apart. Now, thankfully, my top three projects have not done that and are still going strong. But if they drop dead tomorrow, I'm not going to be completely shocked. No, this is just the period we are in, contrarians. And not only do we need to recognize the period we're in, we're also going to need to recognize when it is going to be time to buy again. And I think the sooner we do that, the better. Because as I've said about investments in the past, I always think it's good to lay out your strategy now and maybe write it down somewhere, put it on a spreadsheet, because once these moments actually come, sentiment's not going to be all that great. It's the whole blood in the streets thing. 
number doesn't just go down, sentiment goes down with it. And the best time to buy is going to be exactly when we do not want to buy. So let me tell you some of the things that I'm looking for. You know, that's pretty much all I do here is just tell you what I'm doing. And then you can decide what's right for you. But I do recommend, um, not financial advice, just regular preparatory advice, is to make an outline now. What has to happen for me to become a buyer again? So the first thing I'm going to be looking out for is what we spoke about just a few minutes ago, and that is to see if Bitcoin really does decouple from the rest of the market. Is it going to become an actual flight to safety? Even though by definition it is certainly not. Uh, It was during the banking crisis, so that doesn't mean it's completely out of the question for it to decouple during recession too. If I start to see this happening, I will probably begin to start stacking more. Uh, Now, as I've documented on my blog, I uh, started buying Bitcoin in the $8,000 range, and I'm probably averaged in at about 9 or 10 right now. So my ego is not going to like me buying at the 30K range or even above that. Uh, But sometimes you have to put your ego down and do what's best for you in these cases, and I believe that's going to be best for me. And second, which we've already touched on, is the Web3 gaming boom. Now, Illuvium has said they want to have everything out by the end of this year. Color me skeptical on that. But even if they get it close, if you are somebody who believes in the project and you want to invest in either NFTs from Alluvium or their token or the IMX token, which they will be platformed on, if I hadn't already, I would probably want to have my positions in um, before the release. Just because of the exposure Web3 has right now, or lack thereof, I don't see the release even being all that over-the-top crazy. Um, But I can see momentum building for this game over time. We'll see. Like I said, you got to be careful with these games. Don't put too big of a position here. You know, with a failure rate like we've seen, and a failure rate like we're about to see, over-leveraging here is not the move. You know, I admit I probably over-leveraged here myself um, with the NFTs, but there is an aspect of fun and excitement that I'm also getting from it. So how much of a price do you put on something like that? It's hard to say. But anyway, moving on to something we've also spoken about here on the show. If you guys haven't figured this out, this is a a total wrap-up episode. But um, interest rates, unfortunately, matter, and they matter a lot. Take that interest rate chart that I put in the blog called When Recession. I don't know why we don't see this more often, like on Twitter or something like that. Um, But anyway, take that all-important interest rate chart, overlay it over the actual stock market, and uh, and see where the stock market typically recovers. Um, If I haven't made it obvious, I haven't haven't done this yet. I'm about to. And see if you can spot any consistencies. You know, what was going on in the stock market back then? What was going on in the interest rate market back then? What was going on in the oil market? back then. See if you can find any confluence and use that to see, okay, once interest rates do this, what else typically happens? How long after interest rates bottom out do we typically start to see a real recovery? And how often during this time do we see fakeouts to the upside? You know, this is the homework you should be doing in the meantime. I will certainly be doing it. And like somebody with OCD would do, I'm probably going to just put it all in one spreadsheet and just try to map it out that way and save the spreadsheet. And then it's always there, and it'll have a blueprint to go on. Because again, let me say it again, contrarians, the sentiment is going to be so gross here, it can easily paralyze you. And then you will not be able to take part in the other portion 
of what we do here, and that is actually take part in the great wealth transfer by buying up a bunch of things on the super cheap, just like rich people do every time. Prep for the worst, but get ready for the recovery. You know, these real recoveries happen probably once every generation. And if you don't count the COVID crash in 2020, this generation's recovery has not happened yet. So just make sure you're there when it does, even if it means being a little crazy. Because when this recovery does hit, whether that's 2024, 2025, or even years down the road, you're going to want to be early.